Welcome back to the house of the Lord. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, it's a very, very important date in the calendar of the church. There are actually three Christian festivals. Everybody knows Christmas, all right? And uh, Christmas, the time when Jesus, the day when Jesus Christ was born, we celebrate His birth, not the actual day, but we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But even today, you find that Christmas has been so commercialized already. And uh, the, the, the world associates Christmas with Santa Claus, not with Jesus Christ. So commercialized. The second calendar is that of Easter. And uh, the time when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Victorious. Praise the Lord for that. A very important date in the Christian calendar. Uh, but again, it has been so commercialized. We have chocolates and uh, the world associates Easter with Easter bunnies instead, you know, uh, instead of the risen Savior. But there's one festival that the world has not commercialized as yet, and that is Pentecost. Don't let them commercialize Pentecost. At the same time, you find that not every church celebrates Pentecost. It, it is a neglected day. But it is actually a very, very important day. As important as uh, uh, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and Pentecost is also very, very important because that's the day when God poured out His Holy Spirit. That's the day when the church was born. Thank God for Pentecost. And so today, we celebrate Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let me just uh, read to you Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 4. A very familiar passage of Scripture. But the Bible here says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pentecost for many is just the day when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues. For many, it's associated with just speaking in tongues. But for God, it's a very important day. Pentecost is the day that God has been looking forward to, actually. Because that's the time that He's able to move in a way that He has never moved in the world before. To me, Pentecost is God's big move. Hmm, something wrong with the slide again. It appeared good on my handphone, but it's just displaced here. Anyway, Pentecost is God's big move. Everybody say, God's big move. It is a day that God really moved in a manner that He has never moved before. Now, Pentecost is not an accident. 
Pentecost is not coincidence. It has been planned by God right to the very detail, right to the very minute, right to the very second. God has it all planned already. It was the time that God moved in a big way in this world. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. I like the King James and the New King James Version that says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. In other words, God had it all planned out. There's a day that He will pour out the Holy Spirit. It was already predetermined. And He was just waiting, waiting, waiting for that day to fully come. There's nothing that man could do to hasten that day. There's nothing that man could do to stop that day. And when that day fully came, God poured out the Holy Spirit. That's how important the, Holy, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is in the plan, in the purpose of God. Just like the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the fullness of time, God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, in the fullness of time. And so Pentecost was not an accident or a coincidence at all. God had it in His mind. And when that time is fulfilled, He poured out even His Holy Spirit upon all flesh. A powerful day, a powerful time. Let's, let's look into the Bible, into this passage of Scripture to understand why this day is so important in the plan of God and also for each and every one of us. It was God's good, great move. It was God's big move. And God moved on that day of Pentecost to fulfill the prophecies He had, he had given. The prophecies. We have the Pentecost prophecy. Now, some of us may think that Pentecost is a Christian festival, Christian celebration, but actually it is Jewish. At least in its beginning, it had a Jewish roots. It was a Jewish celebration. As we know, you find that Israel celebrates seven feasts in a year. They have seven festivals. And God gave them these festivals to observe. We have the, the, the spring festival, Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Pentecost. And we have the fall festival, Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacle. Now, last year, when we dealt with the book of Thessalonians, I have mentioned briefly on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, how the timing of the second coming, no, the hour, no man knows. But the season, many pinpointed as it will happen during the fall festival. During the fall festival, that's when the second coming of the Lord, or, or the rapture will take place. Exactly when, we do not know, 
but it is also linked to the festivals in Israel. But let's look at the spring festival and how Jesus fulfilled the celebration of the festivals during the springtime in Israel. The Passover actually speaks of the, our redemption. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus was the Passover lamb. And that's why we celebrated as we partake of the communion this morning. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. The time when God delivered Israel from Egypt and set them free from the bondage of sin. Then there is the unleavened bread, space of the resurrection, uh, sorry, space of the sanctification. Jesus was sinless, but he took upon himself the sins of the world and he was buried. And yet, you find that his body suffered no corruption at all, there was no decay. Unleavened. Then there is the first fruits, speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the first fruits of the, of the resurrection. The first to be resurrected and never to see death again. And then there is the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. And this is what we are talking about here. Pentecost is actually the Feast of Weeks in the Jewish calendar. And so, in a, in a chart, this is how it will look like. Passover, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, his burial, the unleavened bread, first fruits, the resurrection, and the feast of Pentecost that happens 50 days after the first fruits. 50 days after the first fruits. Now you may wonder, why is it that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, He must linger around for 40 days. And then after that, His ascension. And after that, when He ascended, He could have sent the Holy Spirit already. Why must the disciples wait and tarry for another 10 days? In fact, they did not know how long they would have to wait. But they waited for 10 days, and on the 50th day, that's when the Holy Spirit was poured forth during the Feast of Weeks. That's why the Jews came back to, is, uh, 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 to, to, to Israel, to Jerusalem. And then when the Holy Spirit was poured forth, Jews from all nations were gathered back. They came back for the celebration of the Feast of Weeks. To them, it's a very, very important celebration. And they asked one another when they saw the, the disciples speaking in tongues and all that, what, what means this? What does this mean? Everybody speaking in different languages. So you find that even the timing of the, of the Feast of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured forth, you know, is aligned, coincides even with the celebration of the feast, the festivals in Israel. And so, the Feast of Pentecost falls on the Feast of Weeks in the Jewish festival. It's called Shavuot. That's when they come together. It is a celebration of the harvest. 
The celebration of the harvest, the wheat harvest. There, there has been a great harvest and they come and they celebrate God's goodness in giving them the produce of the land. And not only that, they also celebrated the giving of the Torah. When the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea, they journeyed towards Mount Sinai. And they reached Mount Sinai in 50 days. 50 days. And then at Mount Sinai, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And so on the Feast of Weeks or the Shavuot, they also celebrate not just the harvest, but also God's Torah. And we see here the fulfillment. In the Old Testament prophecy, Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. But in the New Testament fulfillment, Christ giving us the Holy Spirit. Not the law, but the Spirit. And that happened on the 50th day. So you find that Pentecost is not an accident. God had it all planned and all lined up even with the celebration of the Jewish feast. Now, that leads us to us. So therefore now, do we have to celebrate the Jewish feast? There are some churches who are going into that direction. They want to follow all the seven feasts of Israel. Hey, we are not Jewish. The Bible never commands us to celebrate the Jewish feast at all. Now we know the significance of it, but we do not celebrate it in the way that Israel celebrates the feast even up to this day, although with many changes along the way. But the what I'm pointing out here is the timing of it all. 50 days, that's what Pentecost is. 50th, Pentecost means the 50th. And it coincides with the celebration of the Feast of Weeks, the Shavuot. In other words, God chose Pentecost with precision. It's not an accident at all. It is all part and parcel of God's plan and God's divine appointments. So let's not just brush aside Pentecost as if it is not important. It is part and parcel of the redemptive plan of God not just for now, but for the ages, that the Holy Spirit who shall be sent forth and poured forth. So, God fulfilled His prophecy. God has a divine appointment for each and every one of us as well. Your life is not an accident. You're not here by accident. Whatever that happens to you when you have committed your life to God, it will never be an accident, but it will be by divine appointment. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. And every destiny that God has for you shall be fulfilled. So God moved in a powerful way to fulfill prophecies. Secondly, Pentecost shows us that God moves also to fulfill His promise. 
the promises of God. God gave a promise. In Joel, quoted in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and it shall come to pass. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It will come to pass. Every promises of God that He has given shall come to pass. Not one word, not one title shall drop to the ground. Every word shall be fulfilled. All the promises that He has given. And so in Luke chapter 24, God already has given, uh, 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 Jesus has given the promise to the disciples. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit, not many days hence. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. I will give you our eyes of the Father and He will give you the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, before we, the passage that we read in Acts chapter 2, the disciples were lost, kind of lost. But Jesus re-emphasized the promise that was given. That was often mentioned even by John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me is greater than me, and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's the promise. Wait for that promise. And sure enough, on the day of Pentecost, that day, that promise was fulfilled. Then that appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Exactly what God has promised His people. They were all filled. Oh, on that day of Pentecost, it was a fulfillment. It shows that God gives His promises. God gave that promise to the people. If God gave that promise, it must be very important. God says, uh, Jesus told the disciples, don't leave. Don't go and do any ministry at all without being filled with the Holy Spirit. It shows how important the Holy Spirit is in our life. This promise of God. We cannot live without the Holy Spirit. We cannot serve without the Holy Spirit. We cannot walk and live as a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit. But that day, the scripture was fulfilled, the promise was given. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Though all there is not just the disciples in those days, but every disciple even right now. I was filled with the Holy Spirit somewhere in June 1975. Hey, now it's June. Yeah, 1975. And oh, what a glorious day it was. The promise of God was given not just to the disciples and the apostles then, but the promise of God is for each and every one of us. Somebody say amen. Somebody say Pentecost is for me. Amen. Pentecost is for you, brothers and sisters. It is a promise of God. It has been fulfilled. It will be fulfilled, kept 
in your life, given to you. All you need to do is just receive it. So God moved in a powerful way to keep His promise. And thirdly, God moves to reveal His presence. The presence of God. He moves in a powerful way to reveal His presence. See, the Holy Spirit is God Himself. He is a third person of the Trinity. He's a person. He's a real person. He is God's presence with us and in us. He is God's enabling, empowering presence with us. Jesus says, it is very needful that I go. I must return to the Father in heaven because if I do not return, the Holy Spirit will not come. So it is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, can come and be with you. Now, when Jesus was on this earth, He was limited. He could be, he, because, because of the flesh, He came in the, in the form of a human being. Because He was in the form of a man, He can be in one place at one time. That's all. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the presence of God will be everywhere. He can feel a believer right here. He can feel, uh, he can feel in a, a believer in Costa Rica, even right now. In Korea, right now. Everywhere, the Holy Spirit shall be God's empowering presence. Jesus Christ has already said, I will give you a helper, a counselor, an encourager, an advocate, Whatever names that you call him, in Greek, there's only one term called the parakletos. I will give you the Holy Spirit, the parakletos who will be with you. Para, para means alongside. All right, so the Holy Spirit is given to us to be alongside, to be with us everywhere that we are, everywhere that we go. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God will be with us. And God has been wanting to reveal Himself from the beginning of time. So this is God's big moment to reveal His presence. Adam, in the Garden of Eden, don't have to seek God out to speak to God. Because every evening, in the cool of the evening, God will come. And Adam have that privilege to talk to God face to face. Man, I don't know how it's like. That must be so glorious. You don't have to pray to seek the presence of God. The presence of God was there. But sin came into the picture. And ever since that time, the communion of God with man, the fellowship of man and God has been broken. And God showed up intermittently. To the patriarchs, the presence of God to man is true man. Every now and then, great men of God, walking with God, they, they have the presence of God. But not everybody. And in the prophets, the presence of God is to, to uh, a true man. Certain people have the presence of God. They are able to speak for God. In the tabernacle, the presence of God is with man. Oh, 
not with men, but among men. There in the tabernacle, in the wilderness, God manifested His presence among His people, but nobody could get near to the presence of God. Anybody who got near will be struck dead. And then Jesus came. Jesus is God in the form of a man. He showed us, He revealed God the Father to us. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. But we are still far from God. The disciples say, show us the Father. Then we don't have to ask anymore. They still could not understand. The presence of God was limited. But now on the day of Pentecost, it was God's great moment. The big move of God. God has been wanting, wanting to reveal Himself to man. Sometimes we think, God, why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? Why, why, why don't you reveal yourself? God could not reveal Himself until the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came. And now, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is with man and in man. Inside each one of us, the indwelling presence of God. Brothers and sisters, this is what God has been wanting to do. All through the ages, He wanted, He created man for fellowship with Himself. And now, on the day of Pentecost, He's able to do that. And since the day of Pentecost, that's why it's so very important. It was God's great move to be, to reveal His presence to each and every one of us. Now, God dwells in living temples. Where's the temple of God? Here, our body is a temple of God now. Can you just imagine? Our temple is the body. Uh, sorry, our body is a temple of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. God in a living temple. This is the hour of God. This is the hour of the Holy Spirit. This is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. God reveals His presence. And He will continue to reveal His presence. That's why Spirit-filled believers don't think that once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's it. God wants to reveal Himself more and more and more because He dwells within us. He speaks to us. He leads and directs us. It's a wonderful relationship. Relationship with God through the Holy Spirit who is a person. And God moves to give us power. God moves to give power we can experience the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came down on that day, something miraculous happened. There was a new covenant and a new provision of God. And guess what? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ was born on that day. And so today, Pentecost Sunday, is actually the birthday of the church. Everybody say, Happy birthday! Amen! It is the birthday of the church. Hallelujah! How old is the church? 
when it's your birthday, people will ask, how old are you now? <laughs> Happy birthday, church! We are talking about the universal body of Christ. It is at least 1,983 years old. Around that, around that. That's how old the church is. And God does His wonderful work through His church. Just notice this one thing, for example. At the Feast of Pentecost, compared to the Feast of Weeds. At Sinai, a cloud descended with loud noise and fire. God wrote His law and table, on tables of stone and 3,000 people died. But on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended with loud sound and fire. God wrote His law on our hearts and 3,000 people got saved. Hallelujah! And God established the church with the preaching of Peter. 3,000 souls got saved. And from then on, God has been on the soul-winning business, soul-saving business. And the church is unstoppable. Everybody say, unstoppable. The church is unstoppable. But it is not just for the church at large, but the promise is given to individuals as well. He says, and behold, I send a promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus talking to the disciples. Clothed with power. That's what God wants every Christian, every believer to be. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. As chapter 1 verse 8. So when the Holy Spirit comes, there is a manifestation of power. How do you know you have received the Holy Spirit? There is a manifestation of power. On that day, they heard the wind, they saw the fire, and the tongues, cloven tongues of fire descending. A miracle of sound, a miracle of sight, a miracle of speech. And the wind and the fire make for an unstoppable combination to show that what God is doing by the power of Almighty God, nothing on earth is going to stop it. The wind that's mentioned here in verse 2, the sound of a rushing wind is not just a gentle breeze. But it is a violent force, a violent rush of air or a wind, very powerful. It shows that the power of God cannot be stopped by anybody. The wind will blow where it desires to blow. The fire will consume and ignite even every heart. So Pentecost, the power of God in your life is for each and every one of us. Every one of us can experience that power. You feel weak, you feel lethargic, you feel, you know, so uh, helpless and, and, and sometimes even worthless. You need a dose of the Holy Spirit. 
when the Holy Spirit comes, He will empower each and every one of us. It is a power for life. It is a power for living. God knows that we cannot live the Christian life by our own strength. That's why He gives us the Holy Spirit. David Wilkerson says, when you strip it of everything else, Pentecost stands for power and life. Everybody say, power and life. Pentecost stands for power and life. That's what came into the church when the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost. And that is a key to a powerful, effective Christian life. The power of the Holy Spirit will transform our life. It is a transforming power. Look at each one of us gathered here today. You look so beautiful and handsome, changed by the glory of God. But before you were a Christian, oh, I did not look at you. I don't know what you were up to and all that. Each one of us have a story to tell. But for the grace of God, but for the transformation of the power of the Holy Spirit, we would still have been in bondage of sin, depression, sickness, sadness, everything. But now we have been transformed and the Holy Spirit continues to change each one of us. Amen? Amen. Let Him work. Let Him work. It is a proclaiming power. You shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. Let's go and proclaim in the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, they are very bold to proclaim Jesus Christ. Share the gospel. Preach the gospel. They, those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit have this burden and passion. The other day, somebody asked me, what, what, what makes you go into the ministry? How did God lead you to go into, to, to become a pastor? And I told the person, and it's true, when I became a Christian, I was happy. My, my favorite song is, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God I'm happy. If anything happens to me, I know I'm bound for heaven. But it's all just me, 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 my, my, mine. I did not have any burden for souls at all. But what makes me want to go into the ministry? I say the difference is when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That very day itself, that very day that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I led two souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. That very same night. In fact, that very same hour. That very same hour that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I look at these two souls and oh, there was such a burden for them. And I ask them, would you like to accept Jesus Christ? They say yes. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you want to proclaim Jesus Christ. Because that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He will testify of me, Jesus says. He will testify of me. So we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, preach Jesus. And there is the healing power of the Holy Spirit as well. The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to heal. All the healing of Jesus Christ that's mentioned in the gospel, people ask, by what power do you do it? It is the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has, he, he has called, anointed me to heal. Anointed to heal. And it's for every one of us. Any, every one of us can be used of God, even to bring healing to others. 
So brothers and sisters, the only way that our lives can move beyond the ordinary is to experience the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what Pentecost is all about. It is God's big move. But it must not end there. It is God's big move, yes. But Pentecost must also draw us to God and let it be our desperate need for a move of God. Yes, God has moved big time 2,000 years ago. But now, it's our move. It's our move. Can God still move today? Can God still move today? Yes. He can move at any time He wants to. He can move in any way He wants to. God can still move. He still does move. And He will still move in our lives and in our churches today if we are willing to allow Him to. But why then is it that we see so little of the move of God? Why is it that many of us are still so dry, so powerless, so ineffective in our Christian life? You see, the only thing that stops God from moving in our lives and in our church is us. The problem is not that God is not moving. The problem is that we are not moving. God has made His move. Now it's our move. It is just like two guys playing checker or playing chess. Alright, so one person has moved already and the other person waiting, looking, waiting. And this guy who has moved, you know, still waiting for the other guy to move, but the other guy did not know that that guy has moved, so he was waiting for the other guy. And said, hey, it's your move! It's your move! And God is just waiting for us to move. He has done all that He could. He has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. He has raised His Son. He has given us the Holy Spirit. He has conquered sin. He has defeated the devil, the demons. Everything has been done. And now God says, it's your move. It's your move. You see, the Holy Spirit is moving. Genesis 1-2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God, what? Move. Everybody say move. And the Spirit of God move upon the face of the waters. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit move in the hearts of man. Not just upon the face of the waters anymore. 2 Peter 1-2, Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God moving in the hearts of men. God stirring the hearts of men. He has already made His move. Now, He's stirring our hearts to move with the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 1, 12 to 14. Talking about the living creatures. Each one went straight ahead. 
Wherever the Spirit would go, they would go, without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like the burning coals of fire or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. These living creatures, one thing they did, wherever the Spirit would go, they would go without turning. Wow! It was described of them, wherever the Spirit would go, they would go without turning. These are powerful creatures. Now, of course, these are all figurative, perhaps, for some of us. But there's a lesson here. These creatures, however amazing, however powerful, found their life and their passion and their fire in the presence of the Spirit of God. Wherever the Spirit of God would lead, they would go without turning. Nothing distracted them. Nothing enraptured them more. They live in the presence of Almighty God. And the result of it is it transformed their lives. They were like fire, bright in appearance, full of power, flashes of lightning. When you have that kind of a passion for the Holy Spirit, He will ignite our hearts and we will be like fire spitting forth everywhere. Powerful. If you will just obey the Holy Spirit. If you will just allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. Many cry out for a move of God. But they will not pay the price. If you want to see the move of God, there is a cost. There is a price. Those who are satisfied with the status quo and things being as they have always been, they will never see the move of God. Never. But those who are hungry for more and willing to do what it takes to pay the price, then we will see the move of God in our midst once again. So how do you experience that move of God in our lives and in our church? Recognize that God moves with them who expect Him. There must be the expectation. There must be that hunger for God. Why should God move in your life if you are not, you are not even bothered about His presence? God will not throw gold to the swine, pearls to the swine. No. God will give the Holy Spirit to those who hunger God. Fill me, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. All revivals start with that kind of a hunger and that expectation that God will do it. God can do it. God will keep His word. If you are hungry, anywhere God can feel you. Anywhere. Right here at the altar. Even in the kitchen. Anywhere. And then ask God. The Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Exercise faith. Believe God for it and obey. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. Brothers and sisters, on that day of Pentecost, 
120 of them entered that room, the upper room. Defeated, weak, depressed, uncertain, not knowing what to do. 120 of them went up to that upper room on that day. If you see them, you will say there's no crowd that's worse than this Lord. But on that day when the Holy Spirit came down, at the end of the day when they left that upper room, they were all totally changed. Filled with the fire of God, touched by the wind of God, cloven tongues of fire upon them. They went out to the world, preached the gospel to the uttermost part. They were fearless and unstoppable because of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! Today, you could have come in here defeated, timid, fearful. But by the time you walk out, Holy Spirit is going to fill you. And you'll be a powerful, unstoppable force for the glory of Almighty God. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, brothers and sisters, Pentecost was God's big move. The prophecy, the promise, the presence, and the power is all for us. Will you hunger for God and reach out to Him even right now? Let's pray. Hallelujah.